0: hey y'all come on in give yourselves a hug you all right welcome to the bruised flowers podcast my name is tanisha and here we speak to totally courageous people who share their stories of being survivors at life and in business and so speaking of business i have my home girl Leah here who is a bomb nail tech what's up amongst girl? other things say hey Leia. hello Girl, speak it to the mic. Hello. Say <laughs> come, come on. Come on now. Don't, hey guys, what's up? You've been in here arguing with these men for three hours. I know, but it's something about the camera. <laughs> the camera is there for you. I know. I just don't like cameras. Don't worry about it. I know. I'm trying. The I- world needs to hear and see you. Yes. I'm here. <laughs> oh I'm my here. God. Don't be nervous. I'm here. All right. So welcome.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: Thank you for showing up.
1: Yeah. For you? Yes. For me? Yes.
0: All right, cool. We can work with that. <laughs> All right. So, as I said, Leia is an amazing nail technician. I met her, of course, doing lashes. <laughs> I meet the best people in this business and industry that I'm in, so I'm just
1: so grateful for that. Um, tell us a little about yourself. Um, So, my name is Leia. Online, you'll probably see like my tag name as Leia Skywalker. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> yep, my dad is a Star Wars fan, so I was literally named after Princess Leia and this was in the 90s before it was cool. So it, it's, it's today it's a badge of honor. 20 years ago I was made fun of. So <laughs> 20 years ago, how old are you? I'm 30. I'll be 32 in 20. Girl, you weeks. forgot? Yeah, I did. How old <laughs> <you>? <laughs> I did. I'm like, "Man, has it been that long?" But yeah, in the 90s, actually, I was bullied because of my name, so, but now I've, that was me embracing my name, mm-hmm. and I just took on just Leia Skywalker. That was it.
0: You were, you actually experienced bullying? Oh, absolutely. Like, I can't relate to that. I never, I've never been bullied, so, really? no, I've, I was always the one who helped people who were being bullied. I hope you would've been on my side. I, you would've been my friend. I make everybody my friend. Really? Yeah, especially people who are defenseless or who experience bullying. Like, yeah, I don't yeah.
1: like that shit. So, oh, excuse my language, but <laughs> don't be a bully. Yeah. It's not nice. That's why I didn't like living in Virginia. Earlier, we, was, we were talking about other places where I've like lived and mm-hmm. Virginia was the beginning of me being bullied. It was actually the beginning and the end because afterwards I,
0: did, when you, I did you grow
1: up in Virginia? No. Where are you from? Oh, I'm from the world. <laughs> I'm a military kid. Well, I was a military kid. Um, my dad was in the Marines, so I grew up literally on base. Like, uh, my dad is from Mississippi. My mom is from California, and they got married. My mom had already had my my older brother. They got married, and then they had me, and then uh, they had my sister, and then they divorced, and they both have since remarried. So. I grew up everywhere. I moved every couple of years. Mm-hmm. I've lived up and down the East Coast, in the South. Um, I spent majority of my summers in Mississippi with my grandma and my cousins and everybody from Oklahoma. So <laughs> Oklahoma, Mississippi, you know, hey y'all, hey mama. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's from a very small town, very like country, humble beginnings. like um my dad and my bonus mom actually are like very southern strict southern baptist christians um so and Ooh. yeah little
0: strips southern baptist christians in oh, mississippi
1: yeah. how was that growing up <laughs> um out of all of my dad's brothers he's the strictest one lucky me um because <laughs> i always wanted to be like my cousins they could mm-hmm. have a lot more freedom but my dad was, he's always been very stern, very strict. I mean, he was a drill instructor for years, you know, and he's not anymore. He's since retired, We're very proud of him. Proud of my, you know, my bonus mom for sticking mm-hmm. by his side, you know, being his helpmate. Um, my dad, he's an amazing man. He's like my biggest, he's always been my biggest role model, mm-hmm. always.
0: So you wanted to be more like your cousin, so were you yeah. restricted with like everything? Oh yeah, with up? everything, with everything. Give us an
1: example. Um, that's probably why I'm in the beauty industry now is because of like, you know, nail polish and makeup and lipstick, you know. Um, like before, life before my, my bonus mom, I was more of a tomboy mm-hmm. because I had an older brother. So I was into everything he was into. I wanted to do what he wanted to do. I wanted to climb trees. I watched comics. I read comics. Uh, my dad's very wholesome, so we weren't allowed to listen to secular music and like <laughs> things like that. I, I remember secular music. Give yeah. us a song that's secular. Let's see. <laughs> <laughs> throat baby, <laughs> throat baby. <laughs> no, you can't listen to that. <laughs> I'm just saying the equivalent of today, like even. In the South, sing there's it. How like, we, how we go, how no, the song go. Girl, you can't sing that. How? I sing it, tell me what to say. <laughs> I ain't scared. No. Here's, here's one better for you. So when I was a kid, um, one of my Christmas gifts was a Walkman cassette tape, you know, player. And I wanted a Walkman so bad for Christmas. I got a Walkman, but I had to be really good to keep getting batteries from my dad. If I didn't do my chores or anything like that, he wasn't giving me no batteries. And the first cassette i wanted was literally uh Whitney Houston's um uh, The Preacher's Wife soundtrack (laughs) and then uh, i asked for a Shirley Caesar uh album on that one so he like mixed them together my dad did a lot of audio Mm -hmm. so um he would if we were watching something he would record it first on a VHS tape and then he would edit it bleep out cuss words bleep out you know sex scenes bleep out whatever he didn't want us to see So like, I was literally a grown adult when I actually saw Titanic for the first time without it being bleeped out. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I wasn't allowed to to really be of the world. You know, my dad made that distinction from us, you know. Wow. Yeah, yeah. And all of that, and then into the beauty industry. You see that?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, well, my mind is just blown right now.
1: Yeah, most people don't expect that.
0: That is a... (laughs) that type of parenting like mm-hmm. he really like I know we now we can put little what is the word we can put we can manage our children's um, like social medias or what they're mm-hmm. watching and what we can play around them like the music but mm-hmm. to actually go to that extent mm-hmm. to pre-record everything and then edit it out yeah like that's intense mm-hmm.
1: what woo mm-hmm. like a lot of our like when we did have cable they were always locked the channels were locked he had passwords on like BET, MTV, and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But well, you should have had passwords on BET because when my mama wasn't
0: home, <laughs> we was watching <laughs> BET uncut, <laughs> all the bad videos. <laughs> Nelly swiping credit cards, yes. like yeah, I love that. The box, oh you, I was about to say, do you remember the box? But you couldn't listen to the box. So
1: even though we weren't allowed to, we did end up getting access to things that we weren't supposed to have access to we still found ways around it and i will say that kids will find a way if they want to get into it if they want to get into it they gonna find a way but i will say they did an excellent job at preventing us because you had to be just as sneaky you know um we ended up getting the codes to a lot of the channels but it was on accident so So
0: what was one bad thing that you did that you were not allowed to do that you I mean, your dad not gonna listen to this, right? I don't know. <laughs> well, hopefully he doesn't, but tell us something
1: juicy that you did. She would've got a whooping for us, something. Oh man. Um. Okay, we watched, we loved music. As kids, we always loved music. And um, TRL, I mean, TRL, 10, 106 in Park. When we finally got the passwords to, mm-hmm. to that channel, it was by accident. Um. As a military kid, you're giving an ID when you turn 10. And on that ID is like, the last of his social. And we realized that was the code. Dang, a little intelligent. TV. Yeah, and that changed the game for us because <laughs> we, we had access at that point. We started listening to regular music. And then as we got older, they were more lax with it, but no, not out loud.
0: Mm, mm-hmm. So you just said
1: uh, an
0: amazing word.
1: <laughs> and I'm gonna ask you what does access having access feel like to you having access um it feels like having the freedom to make my own choice uh because I know I've been I'm an adult I'm Mm -hmm. 32 I'll be 32 in a few weeks um there are still things even to this day that I'm still learning and things that I feel like I should have learned when I was younger but I did not have access to that information to that knowledge because it was kept from me or it was kept from me for a purpose you know because you know they felt like we weren't ready for it mm-hmm. or this that and the other so having access to information it that's that's I just want the knowledge you know I just want the knowledge when I when I parent my child now I do a lot of what my dad did but I give her way more access than what I had mm. and um but i do it in a guided way where i'm teaching her where i'm showing her yes you might have this device where you have the entire world in your hands but let me show you how you can use this as a tool you know um it's guided so it's not necessarily like i restrict things from her but the things that she does have i'm it's guided you know Hmm. Leah, you're already cool. Like,
0: <laughs> just with me knowing that you've been restricted your whole life. Like, wow, let me see what I can ask you. <laughs>
1: well, it was until I turned 15. So when I turned like 14, 15, I moved from Virginia to California, and I went to go live with my mom. So um, that was the, my first time really living with my mom mm-hmm. when I was, uh, what was I? I was like a, I was on the second half of my freshman year of high school. So. Mm-hmm. I started going to school. I went to school at Sarah High School. That was like really, I want to say that's my real first public school, to be honest with you. Like, even though I went to a technical public school in Virginia, it was still very military Like, a lot, all the military kids went to that school, mm-hmm. you know? In Cali, that school had, it, it did have military kids, but it had a lot of just regular kids there too. civilian kids yes (laughs) Yes. civilian regular
0: kids regular regular kids kids. regular kids I'm sorry they're (laughs) civilian children so yeah so
1: the civilian kids went there and I feel like that's really where I started to see the world but I also was viewing it from a sheltered lens at that that age
0: tell me how you started to see the world like with access
1: oh man okay so uh, I had to walk to school and I had to walk like what three miles to school three miles yes yes that's far i know um but it was also quite freeing because i've always ridden the bus Mm -hmm. and it was always i literally would leave my house go outside to my driveway get picked up go to school leave school get picked up go back home i never really saw the world outside of church outside of yeah like we would go we would go shopping we did stuff but this was my first time interacting with like people who who chose not the military life. Mm -hmm. And I know it sounds crazy because yes, I did spend my summers in Mississippi, but my cousins live in the country. Like, you know, it's all family. So even still out there, I wasn't really around people who weren't my family. So I was always with my family. It's just, we're in the country, you know?
0: So what did you do in the country which like in the what what kind of country because I know my granddad I mean, we used to visit him it's red dirt like yeah. and people used to eat the dirt like the red
1: dirt. <laughs> do you know anything about that? Um I've heard of that before but yes it's a dirt road. it was a dirt road to get in. Um it's not anymore but it it was the road that I learned how to drive on. Um we were allowed to ride, you know, four-wheelers and um we went we rode horses did yeah. your family have a lot of land oh yes like so
0: paint the scene for us i want to <laughs> i want to be with your family there so
1: it's like when you come up on the road it's called gates drive Gaze it's a drive. tiny tiny little road i don't know if G- gps can now pick up on it but back then no. Mm-hmm. my
0: family got a lot of land <laughs> yeah yeah what's your fondest memory
1: on all them acres riding four-wheelers, Fourth of July shooting off fireworks with my cousins. I mean, rolling in the dirt. We used to wrestle a lot. Mm -hmm. We always wrestled. I was a tomboy. Were there any neighbors
0: around that got to come over? Mm -hmm. Y'all was like a cult,
1: (laughs) strictly family. (laughs) Everyone's family, everybody's kin. My family knows people there, but I don't know them. That's what I'm saying. I only know my family. Well, that sucks. Well, no, it's a lot of us. How many? It's a lot. We actually, we still have family reunions every year, and I would be meeting cousins. Like, Y'all still have family reunions? Yes. We have granny's dinner. That's my dad's grandmother. Mm-hmm. She raised some granny's dinners every year in March. So, yeah. That's, that's so our family reunion. so cool.
0: Reunions. Y'all still have tr- family traditions. Yeah, we do. I can't tell you the last time my family had a family reunion and everybody came.
1: Really? I keep hearing that and that just makes me so sad because I feel like the black community is known for their family reunions. Mm -hmm. Other cultures, other races of people, they always say that, oh you guys always have family reunions, but I feel like that really stems from slave culture. That's us getting together once a year to know who your family is. You know, you don't know who they are until you you meet them, you know. Do you really want to know who they are? Oh yes, absolutely. For like all sorts of purposes because when I meet people from Mississippi, I always have to Find out are we kin to him or not? Because sometimes you know they want to talk to you know. <laughs>
0: you had I a cousin try to holler
1: at you. Yes. Oh my god. <laughs> yes, my sister too. <laughs> yes, yes that happens you know and people don't talk about that in the black community but yes so
0: how do you keep those traditions going now with your own small family so
1: we basically online we use social media we have an online private facebook group for just like my dad's family just those descendants and that's how we keep in you know in contact with each other now we're we're i feel like we're a lot more in contact with um outside family members now because of social media so but yeah
0: you know what leah you say You say words very specifically and intentionally, like access, and now you said those descendants. Yes, like that's powerful.
1: Yes, because we are descendants of, we are ancestors. You know, wildest dreams, the dreams that they weren't allowed to, to try to do. Mm. And I, I grew up knowing where I come from. That's different. A lot of I always say the further away from the south like a black person is, the further away they are from their roots.
0: But do you really feel like you know who you are because you were so restricted, meaning the access that you had growing up or that you didn't have growing up?
1: So that's actually a part of me reclaiming and redefining who I am today. Who are you? I'm I'm in that area of where I'm figuring that out too, right now. Um, It's a lot, there's a lot of unlearning I'm doing And there's some relearning that I'm doing. Oh, tell us about
0: the unlearning. Come on, (laughs) it's getting spicy.
1: So um, the unlearning is probably like, you know, uh, I grew up in a very religious household, so um, I've kind of studied the Bible more dogmatically as in in opposition to just- I'm gonna
0: stop you right there. I'm sorry to cut you off dogmatically. Please explain to our listeners what that means before we move on, thanks.
1: So dogmatically, I'm looking at uh, religion objectively. Mm -hmm. I'm looking at it in terms of the cultural aspect. Where was it written? Who was it written by? What is the audience for? Who was this intended for? You know, what was the purpose behind this book? When people love to quote scriptures and half scriptures at that and misquote scriptures, but they don't understand the context in which something was written down. To write something down in that time First of all, it was a lot of money, and everyone could not read back then. Mm -hmm. So if someone's writing something down, it's important. They want you to know this, they want you to remember it. So when you are studying these ancient books, these ancient texts, it's written for a reason. And it has a purpose, you have to find that purpose. And so what I like to do is I like to study these specific texts like I said, from a dogmatic view, nothing is inherently bad, nothing is inherently good. I'm looking at it from an objective that's just neutral. So, yeah,
0: you got a cell phone ringing, sorry, it's okay.
1: But, yeah, that's what uh, I started doing you know, just studying other texts, other ancient texts that actually support, you know, biblical texts. Um, and that really has channeled me into a different person that I feel like a little bit different from my childhood. I was always told who I was. And now that I'm an adult and I have my child and I'm living, you know, raising her, I'm relearning. I'm relearning things that, you know, I want to unlearn. You know, generational curses, toxic behaviors, things like that, just being more aware of how that influences someone else's development. Um, Again, I was always told who I was. And yes, I know who I am, but I'm also kind of redefining who I am.
0: That's freaking cool. All right. So (laughs) let me get something real quick. What's your favorite scripture? Pull it out real quick. Um, That applies to who you are today. I think we have somebody stumped.
1: Come on. (laughs) Um... You know, there's so many, honestly. My sister just sent me, my dad sends me scriptures every day, actually. So in our family group text, we get a message every day. So um, I'll start it. You go. I'll, ahead. I'll start the black, <laughs> you go ahead. The, the
0: black uh, scripture that everybody knows. All okay. right. I don't know exactly what the number or the book that it's in, but faith without works is dead. Okay. That's what I hear all black people say. Faith without works is dead. It is. So what does that mean to you?
1: Yeah, it means you, you have to put the action behind it. So that's literally what manifestation is. You have to put action behind whatever your motive that you're working towards.
0: All right, so what's the scripture that speaks to you the most? Reading all these texts. Um. You know,
1: there's a lot, but I feel like probably uh, Isaiah. Like for, no, Jeremiah. For I know the plans that I have for you. You know, God knows the plans that he has for you. When you were made in your you know, your mother's womb <clears throat> you were already predestined for so many things to be accomplished. You were predestined for whatever it is, you know, and it's up to you to find that purpose and you won't be complete until you actually complete the mission. You have to complete the mission. And it's not about, as my dad says, like Paul from Acts, it's not about just Getting through the race, it's about just, you got to finish the race.
0: That's the part too. That's the whole part. You got to finish
1: it. You got to finish the race. You got no to. matter what. Oh yeah.
0: So what if you feel like you're going down a path that is not serving you? Do you still finish
1: that race or do you veer off into something else? Oh, you won't be able to finish because if it's not serving you, it's not going to work. But you got to finish the race. Yes, but then that means that wasn't part of the plan then. Will teach me something. Seasons, you know. One thing that my stepmom always says: it's time. It's seasons for everything. Mm-hmm. That's what nature teaches us. That's what God teaches us. Nothing is nothing is finite. Nothing is final. Everything changes. Nothing stays the same. And in fact, what you can actually learn biblically is that a lot of these main characters in the Bible, the way that they start off is not how they end. Well, they weren't we perfect.
0: Share a story with us.
1: Oh, so I can put it you know, together like all of them. I mean, literally, you can start from the beginning and work your way down. Noah was a drunk. David was an adulterer uh, and a murderer. Um, what's his name? Saul. Before he became Paul, Saul was persecuting Christians, killing them left and right. Mm. Then he got touched by God on the road to Damascus. And, you know, he changed his name to Paul. He became a new person. I am a new creature. You become a new person completely. And that's synonymous with my life right now. Like I'm becoming someone new, I'm becoming someone de- I'm literally in this transition phase. And there's a lot of stagnancy in this phase because things aren't moving, but it's because I'm figuring it out, you know? So
0: I know you as a nail technician, right? Yes. So with your new journey and rediscovering who you are, is a future in nails still gonna
1: continue so I'm still gonna do nails Um, it's just probably not gonna be what it is right now Um, I'm looking into ownership I mean it doesn't matter it doesn't matter whatever shop you want to go to I'm just gonna keep it real with you after 15 years of working in salons you're not making any money if you're if you don't own the shop you're not you're not making money unless you own that place and that's just across the board doesn't matter if you take an extra client today tomorrow for the rest of the week it's never enough.
0: What well, if you put on add-ons like maybe offer some classes or
1: you know, yeah,
0: merchandise <laughs>
1: something. But I'm um my spirit is moving me away into what? Into things that are not as superficial. Like it's just uncomfortable for me and I've learned with my with my life progress so far learning how to listen to my inner voice when things things start happening it's synonymous to when I know it's time to leave Mm. I know it's I know when it's time
0: so what led you into the beauty industry anyway because you were very sheltered and (laughs) and limited access Mm -hmm. to a lot of things so what was the
1: driving force behind you starting your career so when it comes to nails um that was really one of the first like beauty things I remember. Like when we would go to church, we we dressed to the nines. Country people, we dressed to the nines, okay? When it's time for church, we rolling out with our Sunday's best. That's why it's called your Sunday's best. So getting dressed for church in the morning, that was like that's that's like fun for me. You know, I'm getting my hair curled. I get to wear lip gloss. Mm-hmm. I get to I get to wear jewelry today. Like my dad would always put jewelry on us and our rings. We were allowed to wear all of our fancy stuff. You know for church we always wore our best you know and i loved it i loved getting dressed <laughs> so um because i wasn't able to you know on a daily basis of mm-hmm. course I, that's something i looked forward to but um really like when i turned 15 i moved to cali and i got in touch with my maternal side and um my great grandmother at the time she was still alive um she got her nails done consistently, every two weeks. It was a family thing. Us girls, we would go bonding time. Let's go to the salon, let's go to the salon. Everyone's getting their nails done. My mom still gets her nails done to this day. My mom did nails for a little bit. Hmm. So um, that got me into it because I was like, hmm, you know, I could do this. And that's, i practiced practice on anybody that would let me. I was doing $20 full sets at my kitchen oh table my God. when I was 15. <laughs> I mean, really, I had never seen a black nail tech. I'd never even known that black nail techs even existed. I didn't even, I just, it was just a hobby for me. Mm-hmm. Something fun to do. And then I just got really good at it. And then it, it all changed, like.
0: So since you didn't see a, a large representation of African-American nail techs, would you,
1: would you ask other people to get into that? Well, n- Kind of, so when I moved to Cali, like the Mexican girls, they were the ones that had the baddest nails. I mean, they the girls in Tijuana, they they had the flyest nails. They would come to school, you know, with these crazy sick designs. And back then I'm thinking it's crazy and sick, but really it's just like airbrush and, <laughs> you know, <laughs> um, just like painting lines and dots. But the, the, the Mexican girls, they had all the cool stuff, mm-hmm. you know, and I, I would go to Mexico, but I could not afford to keep going like every two weeks like all the other girls did, you know, and um, when I went to Mexico, I had to go with a friend that obviously spoke Spanish, so yeah. I had to be on someone else's time, mm-hmm. so um, I would go over to Mexico and I would like look at look at their nails, and I'm just like, man, their nails are so fly. Like, I just wanted that, like you know. So I would go home and I would just like I would design my own nail tips, and then go to a regular chop shop and ask them to glue my tips on me and put the acrylic over my tips because I wanted specific designs on my nails.
0: Did you just call it the chop shop?
1: Yep, chop shop. <laughs> they chop you in and out, chop up. That's it.
0: The language is ridiculous. The <laughs> that's chop what it's shop, called.
1: like that's crazy. In the beauty industry, that's what it's called. It's called a chop shop. So that, just a regular chop shop, you know?
0: Oh, well my salon is a place of uh, <laughs> rest <laughs> and relaxation, <laughs> not the chop shop. Yep. So your dad was in the military, you traveled a lot with him, mm-hmm. did you go to different countries?
1: Yes. What was your favorite country? Um, I mean, well, really the first country that I really remember living in is Japan. So I was there from Japan. like, yeah, I was there from like kindergarten until like third grade. Did so, you get
0: inspired over there by their culture? Oh, absolutely. Like, wow. Absolutely.
1: I feel like that is like fundamental into my development as an adult today. Like um over there as far as like school and stuff goes like in kindergarten first grade and second grade i don't know if it's just elementary or not but we're you you kind of take like an ethics class and ethics cultural morals things like that even as children we learn what is rude and what's not rude you're taught that you are literally taught that you're taught how to treat other people in school
0: something that we are definitely missing over here in the u.s Mm -hmm. You are
1: literally taught about body language, how to speak to each other. The Japanese culture itself is very respectful. So they pride themselves on, you know, treating people with respect. You walk in the streets, you know, in a lot of, like, Asian countries, their streets are clean. Because they treat strangers with respect, which Mm -hmm. means picking up your trash. Clean up after yourself. Leave it better than the way that you found it. So a lot of their cities, especially their developed cities, are impeccably clean.
0: So. wow leave it better than you found it
1: yep it's you know it's that and also you know there's um, one thing about Japan there's like these shrines that are actually to Jesus there because they believe that Jesus lived there and um, died there but hey, well not well stories for other days, but they believe Jesus, (laughs) you know, actually grew up in a part in Japan. So there's like this whole like shrine, you know, to Christianity basically that's like in Japan. So their entire culture is just, it's just, it's just very respectful.
0: Is Jesus black? I was just asking, I wanna know.
1: Um, I believe he was melanated. (laughs) I personally believe he was melanated. Mm -hmm. Um, Some people in Japan believe that he had a wife that was Japanese. What was
0: her name? I
1: don't know. Yeah, no, I don't know her name. I don't remember. Yeah. But some people believe that that he had siblings. Mm-hmm. They, they live in Japan. Their descendants are in Japan. So I don't think it's too far-fetched to believe that there's. They have texts. They have documentation that he was there. That he lived there. You know, we you when you look at the Bible, there's like 20-some odd years missing of his life from the time of his birth until when he's 33, when he begins his mission, when he begins his purpose. What happened in between all that time? You know what I just thought about
0: when you said that? You know how people, when girls get pregnant and then they just disappear? <laughs> where well, they used to disappear until they had the baby. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's where Jesus went. Maybe, <laughs> maybe. Don't think I'm, I'm just being silly, but that just popped <laughs> in my head. Like Jesus had got pregnant and he got so many pregnant.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and I had to clear it for a little bit listen um i mean there's there's text so it's possible